My name is D. Ray Freeman. This is Thriving Culture. Thank you for joining us. I'm here with a good friend of mine, Mr. Pardi Danda, and affectionately known as Patty. Um, so we're going to be talking with Patty today about some great things that he's doing in the agile world and how we can improve our lives and, and learn to use agile in a different way. And also going to look at the future of agile and where do we go from here. Um, Pardeep is the former head of agile for Deutsche Bank in Birmingham, in Birmingham England. Um, he is very passionate about agile He's an international speaker for our BA and QA groups around the world. Um, we've met, uh, we're going to tell a story about how we met and, and uh, some of the, the things that led us to where we are today, but he's such a great guy and he has so many things going. He is the um, <clears throat> founder of a podcast show called The Peaky Agilist. It's a pretty cool show. Um, so we're going to talk some more about that. Party, thank you for being here with us today on Thriving Culture, man. Good to see you. Oh, D-Ray, you know, I, I can't tell you how happy I am to be on the show, and I'm, I'm, you know, really humbled by that intro, so thank you so much. It's a real pleasure. <laughs> cool, man. Hey, let's dive right into it, man. Let's talk a little bit about Pardeep, man. So, uh, tell me a bit, a bit about yourself. Now, you know, I'm in Los Angeles, California. Where, where are you? Oh, okay. So, I, I think the podcast name may have given it away. So, anyone that's a Peaky <laughs> Blinders fan will know it's set in Birmingham, in Birmingham, England. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I'm from. Um, it's the center of England. So, you know, a lot of people that perhaps haven't been to the UK or even a lot of my American friends, they will often talk about London, England, uh, but no mm -hmm. one talks about Birmingham. So I'm, I'm trying to sort of fly the flag for Birmingham. That's where I'm That's from. cool, that's cool. Myself, I've been to London, England, so that's my only comparison <laughs> I would have it to would be to London. You know, uh, so on a, on a more serious note, man, we're all indoors. And of course, when we met, we met in person like people used to do back in the old days. Um, how have you been dealing with COVID and you know, how has that uh, impacted you? And, and just tell us about the experience in the UK. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good question. I guess the, the, it's been like, a, you know, I, I think for the UK, it's been really difficult. Unlike America in some ways in terms of space, you know, we're, we're almost like a, a, a can of beans where we shove loads of people onto this small little island and, you know, trying to social distance can be really challenging. Like even when we're going out to the shops, our, our streets are fairly closed off and, and close together. So when we go out, um, it, it, it can be really challenging to keep that distance between people. Whereas I guess the US and, and North America, Canada, um, you know, if I think about the, the size difference between us, uh, you know, we're like almost 70 million people on this small island, oh uh, which is tiny compared to Canada. Like you've got, you know, the second largest country in the world with half of the population that we have. So, uh, you know, it can be pretty tough, can be pretty challenging. But I think I, I always like to look at the positives. And I think for me, it's been really nice spending that time with the family. I've got two young kids. Just getting to know them a bit better. I'm, I've been doing so much traveling, uh, you know, lately, and it's just nice to spend that time at home. That's really cool. Now, I, I know that being inside can sometimes just drive you crazy. Um, what kind of creative things have you been doing to keep yourself and the, the family and the kids engaged? 
Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And, and I, I'm going to definitely talk a lot more about my creative side a little bit later on, but I would, I would say it's allowed me to take a step back and rediscover, I think, a talent that I, I wanted to pursue when I was a young kid, uh, which was art. Uh, okay. But art really at the time wasn't seen as a, as a big money earner for most people. Um, and so being creative was almost discouraged. And I think for me, what I've done more lately is I've started to get back into that, but yeah. within a work context. So um, actually I've got a, a couple of doodles that I've been, I've been <laughs> doing. Um, so they just sort of happen to be lying around, but like, you there know, things like Scrum. Um, I've been trying to come up with doodles that explain some of the business concepts uh, that I, I train to other people. Um, and I have sort of my second camera that's hanging down just over here. And it's just allowed me to to really focus and, you know, sort of um, just, just, just escape from things at times um, and, and oh, reconnect with that creative side. Man, that's, that's really cool. I like that. I mean, you have to have some kind of creativity. Um, you know, I've, I've got back into music and, and art and, you know, even even just just drawing pictures and painting myself. I, I, I know that's therapeutic to get that out and, and do that. You know, not only have we been dealing with with COVID as a, a global pandemic and, and all the challenges that we've had from there. But earlier this year um, in the US, you know, we had the George Floyd incident, the, the murder of George Floyd, and it sparked a, a global um, um, change that, that went on. There's lots of uh, protests and, and sometimes it got into civil unrest or racial unrest. Um, so I know we saw a lot of that here in the US and, and right outside my door here in Los Angeles how has it been there in Birmingham, England? What has been the experience um, after that event? No, I mean, it, it was such a, a tragic um, sort of situation, um, but then I think off the back of it, it it's, it's created such awareness, I, I think, and, and worldwide, it has, it's absolutely been phenomenal. Um, you know, I've, although I haven't been out and about to see it myself, but certainly in the media, on the news, we, we've seen protests here in the UK, um, you know, probably not to the scale of, of the US, but it's really struck a chord with many, many people. Um, there was a, an example of a, of a statue in, in Bristol that, um, you know, had, had been taken down by some protesters, rightly or wrongly. You know, I, 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 I wouldn't want to kind of sit on either side of that one, but I think it's just struck such a chord with people. Um, but just again, you know, thinking about positives. So for me, it, it got my kids questioning a lot of things that, you know, we perhaps as parents have, have failed on. Like I myself haven't talked to them enough about my own culture, um, about some of the heroes and heroines in, in our history, um, going back to kind of Indian history, uh, which is where my parents are from originally. And so it really got me thinking that actually, you know, I should be doing more on that front to educate them, um, to make them aware of, you know, their background. So we bought a bunch of books uh, and we've been going through them together. So that's been, that's been really nice to just rediscover that with, with the family. And that is, that is cool. That is cool. It's good to reconnect. Now, I think that's how we learn so much um, about who we are today, of the, the stories of the, our ancestors, you know, how the people who created us. Um, I've, I've taken that uh, along myself during this time period of us being quarantined 
to just look back at some of my family members. And um, I had an interview I did with my, my aunt. She was 103 years old at the time. Wow. And she just told me these stories uh, about her childhood and things that she remembered. Um, and I recorded it and I put it out there on YouTube. It's, it's something to check out. But um, that, that is really cool. You know, um, as we're talking and if you're still uh, listening to us right now, uh, be sure to subscribe uh, to this channel and like this podcast if you like what we're talking about. We are trying to really grow a, a following. So I would appreciate that. But let's keep right on going. Um, Pardeep, when we met, it's been a few years ago when we met. Um, I believe we were in New York City. Um, what, what was the circumstances that brought us together? Can you tell us that story? Oh, wow. Now that's, that's a phenomenal story. I, I think <laughs> it, was, it, it was a situation which wasn't of my choosing, but my God, was it a fantastic thing to happen? Because I, I think, you know, it's really led to so much collaboration and um and me discovering a great person a great human being which is itself so just a bit of background about that i mean i was working for a large global bank at the time i had just come into a new role um so my background is very much kind of business analysis product ownership kind of working building software products in a, in a delivery capacity and I just moved into a new team, uh, which was a sort of center of excellence for the bank, um, for Agile. And, um, and I, was, I was asked to lead and head up the Agile learning for the bank, something I'd never done. So it was, it was a completely new role for me. And my boss at the time, she said to me, we need to launch a new curriculum, a new Agile curriculum for the organization. And this is a bank with over 100,000 people. So it's a, it's a it's fairly large scale. And we we're going to bring in a third party consultancy to come in and help me build some of that learning material. And I was told I was going to get four consultants to come in and sit with me and lock ourselves in a room for a whole week. And we would, we would build this curriculum. I have to say by about the second day, um, you know, I was expecting well, to be, to be fair, I was expecting like the fantastic four to show up at the door and be my saviors because they were going to help me launch this curriculum. I have to say it, was, it wasn't quite that way. It didn't quite work out that way. And by about the second day, I, I literally had to pull the plug on the whole initiative. And, um, and, and my boss said, so what are we going to do now? And we're in a real dilemma. Now, luckily, this organization, they found you. I don't know how they did it. They found you. And, uh, and they, they reassured me. They said, look, we have a great guy over in the US. Uh, we're going to fly you out there, and um, and hopefully we can we can uh, fix this in some way. So yeah, so I when I when I showed up and I, I saw you there, uh, I didn't know you. You didn't know me, and um, but I, I have to say, in an instant, we were like we were like vibing, almost like two yeah. two sports people, right? When you you know what each other are thinking, and yeah, that that was a phenomenal phenomenal experience. Yeah, man, we're on the same page right away, you know, and <laughs> it was just funny that they had all been dismissed and you were the, the client, you were in New York and I was in Los Angeles. That's a long way from each other in the U.S. <laughs> That's a long distance apart. So coming out there, um, it was phenomenal for me. Um, I hadn't been inside of the, the greater city of, of New York City where we were and we were we were in um, 
in Manhattan. You know, we're downtown Manhattan. Um, and we were just having a great time, man. We, we were training people and, and after work, we'd go out and get a few pints, uh, several pints. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good, it was a good time, man. So I, I did appreciate that. And, and that's been, gosh, that's been years ago, man. That's been since what, 2017, I think. Yeah, that, that feels about right. I'm trying to look. Yeah, it's probably like three, four years ago. Um, but, but it was, it was that kind of catalyst. But for me anyway, that started that journey um, in that new role for me. And, you know, just following that, um, we ended up training like almost 20,000 people in that organization um, in terms of those, those foundations that we were able to lay that, you know, that first conversation you and I had, those first set of training courses we, we developed together, you know, we, we went on to expand those into a, into a, a global curriculum that, you know, then, um, others were able to deliver that training. So that, that was a really satisfying moment. So again, you should be really proud of that as well. Um, I, I think, you know, without you there, we would have really struggled. Oh man, thank you for saying that. That was, that was fun. I think we finally made the right match. And it didn't take an army of, of people to, to do this. This took, took the right mindset getting together to uh, accomplish the, a common goal. Not a bunch of little goals that everybody brought to the table, but a common goal. Yeah. So, uh, that was good stuff. All right, let's keep moving. Um, you've been doing some interesting things with Agile at home. And as you know, I, I wrote a book a long time ago um, called Agile Changed My Life. And it's about how I use Agile on a more personal level for things that I'm doing. And that's why you see a lot of sticky notes around me because I am Agile. We are Agile here in this house. Um, Tell me some more about the way you use Agile. And I think you've been using it at home with your kids. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I think um, when when lockdown happened, uh, we we certainly made use of a lot of the sort of the Kanban uh, sort of uh, you know techniques. I was I was finding my kids were when they were being homeschooled, it was really distracting for them to just just focus on their work, mm -hmm. and it was getting quite mundane as well because every day they would kind of have a list of things to do and they'd never finish that list. So I wanted to kind of incentivize them a little bit, but also add some structure. So every morning we would come to this room, this, this, this messy room, as you can see behind me, <laughs> and we, I'd take them to the whiteboard and we would create a Kanban board together. And, um, and so my son, he's only eight and my daughter's 11, just to, just to make that clear, like they're, they're still pretty young, but it was phenomenal. Like I would give them post-it notes and I would ask them to, write down the things they wanted to learn each day. So they would mm -hmm. literally brainstorm a bunch of topics. Um, I would get them to prioritize those topics and, um, and, and, and not just study. I wanted them to think of sort of some of the, almost the, the rewards as well. So mm. what were some of the fun things they wanted to do in the day? And, you know, my, my daughter would say things like she wanted to do some, some drawing or go to the park. And so, we prioritize these items with a mix of fun things. And, um, and I just felt it added some real structure to the day um, yeah. and they got really excited. And, and I have to say that it was amazing watching them because when they complete an item, I would get them to physically come in and uh, move the item on the board. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was such a sense of achievement. Every time they moved a post-it over, like for them, it was almost this, this huge achievement. So 
Yeah. That's just, that's one of the examples. Yeah, absolutely. That's really good. You know, there's actually some science behind that. When you when you check something off the list, it, mm. it actually gives you a little dopamine release in your brain that you you feel a sense of accomplishment on the inside. Yeah. And that's why every successful um, author or, or, or coach, they always say you should write things down and check them off as you complete them or, or move into some kind of done state. So you physically feel that you have um, took something from in progress to done and you get that internal sense of accomplishment. It, it just gives you the energy to go on with the day. And that's a great thing to do for, for kids of that age to, to get them accustomed to that feeling and, and uh, be able to integrate that into their own lives. Man, that's, that's a great thing that you're doing. You know, why do you think it's important to teach kids agile at this age? You know, what, what kind of skills is that giving them for their future? That's a great question, D-Ray. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do an experiment with you right now. Huh? Okay. Right? Okay. And the only thing I told you before the podcast was I said, make sure you have a pen and paper so you have no idea what we're about to do. So I'd, I'd like us to just run a little experiment and then we'll come back to that question because I think it will hopefully help us answer that. So I want us to have, and, and maybe you can keep the, the time. So I'd like you to draw me and I'll draw you. Okay. And okay. we're going to draw ourselves uh, in one minute. So no more than 60 seconds. No more than 60 seconds. We are 60 seconds. I'm going to draw you. You're going to draw me. Yeah. Deal. Yeah, and then we'll reveal what we've done. And I'll ask you some questions. So. All right. I will start our timer. Time. Okay. Awesome. Okay, D-Ray, you want to reveal yours and I'll reveal mine. All right. Let's do it. Okay. After three. One, two, three. three. There we go. There's my man. Hey. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> That's superb. You went right yeah. for the body. Like you did the whole body thing. That's so cool. Awesome. <laughs> superb. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question now, D-Ray. Okay. So are you proud of that picture that you did? Not my one. The one that you did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm proud of that picture. Yeah. Do you feel the need to apologize to me in any way? No. No, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, when we normally would run this, we'd probably run it with strangers. So, I've run this activity for large groups in a conference environment, or delegates on a on a sort of a a classroom. And what we often find is when you do it with strangers. Now, you and I know each other really well, so it's probably not going to have the same impact. But normally. When strangers do it, the first thing they say after they've done it is, "Hey man, like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really sorry. Like, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't quite get it. So, please, please don't, you know, mind." And we find that adults start to apologize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and so this was an experiment originally done by um, a, a guy called Bob McKinn. Uh, he was a creative thinker way back in the late '60s, '70s. Um, he was actually a mentor to um, David Kelly and, and the, the guys behind IDEO, um, you know, the, the design thinking kind of group. And what Bob McKim found was that when he used to run the same activity with kids, uh, they would never apologize. So kids would 
they would they would pick up their pictures with pride and go like yeah man i'm really really happy like it's 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 great my picture's great and so if we think back when we were that age we probably all had that mindset that we were proud of our ideas we were proud of our creativity but as we've grown up it's almost like that creativity has been sort of suppressed in some way and i think different cultures probably do it know at a larger extent to others but generally speaking i think most adults we sometimes are afraid to say certain things or say certain ideas because we're afraid of what others will think and so mm -hmm. your question about why is it important that we teach agile or some of these skills to kids i actually don't think they need agile skills because they're already really agile like this this new generation they're pretty agile and they're fairly creative as well yeah. but what i what i do really believe in is we need to constantly check to make sure that their mindset stays that way so it stays healthy and that it doesn't get suppressed and end up like us or myself anyway <laughs> uh, you've obviously got a, got a you know a great agile mindset um, because if you think about it in the workplace if we want to create innovation in a, in a group of people um, we want to create real innovation. We want to get creative. Then we can't have people sitting there apologizing for their ideas. We mm -hmm. need them to be, you know, pulling out whatever, whatever that knowledge they have and sharing it and never apologize. And I think until we break that mindset, um, we, we, we won't, we won't get true innovation in that team. That's amazing, man. That's, that's really, that's really forward thinking of you to put it in that term, in those terms. Um, let's, let's go a little bit deeper into that. So in working with, with children, you've also put together some, some agile games or, or some things that they can actually learn the methodology itself and, and learn the principles and values of it. What is Jungle Scrum that I've heard so much about? Oh, wow. Jungle Scrum. Yeah. So it was, again, it, it, it was one of these sort of things that, that came out of a bit of a, an experiment. Um, so my daughter, when she was a couple of years younger, she, she, she caught me red-handed stealing her Lego the day before. Um, and she said, Daddy, what, like, why do you keep stealing my Lego? And, uh, and you know, I had to put my hands up. And, uh, and so it was actually because I, I trained people in this agile stuff. Um, and then it sparked up a conversation. And it's around bedtime. So... You know, she, she started asking about Agile, what is it, Dad? She's very curious as kids are. And I, I wanted to explain it in such a way that she would understand it. So the best way I could think of was she had this storybook she was reading about a bunch of animals in the jungle. So I, I tried to sort of relay a story to her to say, look, imagine these animals, they are facing a dilemma. Like imagine there's a big volcano about to erupt and it's going to destroy all of their homes. Mm. And they only have a, a number of days before this disaster happens you know so so how should they rebuild their homes because they have to move they have to find a new location and we talked about the different approaches they could use and then we we talked about kind of iterating and building this this kind of incremental uh, way yeah. and the funny thing was i told that story to her and at the end of it she said daddy but that's the way I would do it anyway. Like, why, why do you need to train people in this? <laughs> right, which, which blew my mind. 
but what, what I what I found was actually, you know, if we can teach even some of these basics to, to young kids, again, we keep that mindset fresh. So this 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 concept of jungle scrum came about. And so now I sometimes run those workshops. I've added animation, cartoons, um, you know, storytelling, play, as much sort of fun as we could we could get. Um, and we, we actually ran Jungle Scrum for, um, for Deutsche Bank um, for their graduate program. Just before I left, it was like my last major gig that I did at Deutsche Bank. And it was phenomenal. We had like over 400 graduates going through a day of Jungle Scrum, um, watching cartoons, which it absolutely blew my mind. But the feedback was, was phenomenal. Like even, even, you know, people of that age, uh, you know, awesome. post-graduation age, they, they really embraced it. That, that nice. is cool. That is cool. So you you still have this. This is uh, this is your your property. Is it something that you're going to be um, um, using or or bring about that people can actually take advantage of? Um, I'm I'm always happy for people to to come along and you know if if, if somebody would like to try it, uh, I'd, yeah. I'd I'd look for them to try it. Um, always always happy to share things on on Jungle Scrum. Um, I've never thought of it as a business. To be honest, it's it's something that. I think I created because I wanted people to learn these skills and um, learn them in a fun way. So if I think back to, you know, when I started my, my journey of agility, I was taught agile in like two hours, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you probably can relate to some of this, right? Uh, Dere, yeah. Where you know, an organization will say, we want to go agile. So we brought in a trainer. He's going to teach you in two hours and now we're all going to be agile. Um, and it's a fairly negative experience. So I always, would, would love for anyone who, who's embarking upon that journey of Agile to have a really fun experience because they'll be then curious for more. So, um, so yeah, if anybody wants to get in touch, if you're interested, just, you know, D-Ray will have um, my details in, in the description somewhere and uh, I'm happy to reach out and help. Most definitely cool. Thank you for sharing that. You know, you also have, have created some other, um, you know, engaging ideas that really change the way people think about agile and about scrum and and not even just those those uh, those um, methodologies and frameworks but just overall in improvement tell me more about the engaging thinker yeah so I, I for years i've i've thought about what is my purpose as a lot of us do and i thought it was business analysis i thought my whole purpose was to be a really good business analyst because I felt like that was a role I enjoyed. And then I, I started doing the agile stuff um, and then a bit of coaching and training. Mm -hmm. But when I, when I really looked kind of deep, I, I think the thing that I love doing is engaging with people. Uh, and I think it's not just something that I, I do at work. I think even when I go out and buy a coffee, uh, when I go to the shops, I meet someone on the, the, the platform at the train I, I think for me, I'm always thinking about how can I connect with that person uh, and connect with them in such a way that it becomes an engaging conversation. And so when I, when I was thinking about like, what is my purpose? I thought about, well, am I a visual thinker? Or am I one of these? Am I one of these? And, and I think it comes down to engagement. And I've not found a term out there that describes this, this concept that I'm talking about. So I was just going to make it up myself. I think I'm an engaging thinker or that's yeah. the thing that I love to be known for um 
so watch his face be right let i'm gonna hopefully write a blog on it and um and, and put it out there and i'd love to get other people's views and feedback if they feel that this is something that resembles what they you know sort of uh, believe that their purpose is mm -hmm. and if it is then let's let's talk more so that yeah that's most definitely yeah I, I like that idea man the engaging thinker and and that's something that we can resonate with engagement is what we're all about we're all about trying to engage more with people and and that really takes us into our our next topic it's on just the future of, of agile and you know as we think about engaging thinkers um, how do we bring that into the future of, of Agile and just where are we going from here? Yeah, again, I, I think Agile is an interesting one. It's kind of become this product that you, you go into the supermarket, you can pick it off the shelf and mm -hmm. we bring it back home and all of a sudden it's going to change our world. And, and you know, we, we all know that that's not going to happen. Um, and so for me, I, I think when people talk about the future of Agile, there's a lot happening on methodologies, frameworks, etc. Lots of tooling is out there. You know, we're, we're able to automate things a lot more. But I think for me, the focus on engagement and connecting with people is, is really important. And I personally believe that the future of Agile rests with people. Um, and it's, you know, the whole ethos of, of the Agile Manifesto is around people. The 12 principles, I've counted at least six of those 12 principles are very human centric if not all. And, um, and so I think it's really important that we continue to um, build that engaging mindset for people. Um, and, and, you know, just, just explore different ways that we can bring strong, build strong relationships within teams. Mm -hmm. so that's going to be my mission. I'm going to, I'm going to keep pursuing that, I think, um, because yeah. that, that, that for me sounds like, um, you know, it feels like that's the right thing to do. That, that is, I, I think so. And as we're thinking about that on the future of Agile and then the future of this, this industry, you and I, we both have uh, a background in coaching and transformation, helping people to change. Where do you see that going? You know, when, when we're getting into more of a, a gig economy or a, a freelancer economy, do you see our profession changing as we move over into the future? And if so, where do you kind of see it, it evolving into? Yeah, no, again, great question, Dire. And, you know, I'm buying time to think of the answer, by the way. Um, <laughs> so I, I think the faster, you know, things are moving, um, the more that people are having to switch between um, careers and jobs mm -hmm. and, you know, constantly moving. I, I think coaching plays a really important part in that because yeah. sometimes things are moving so fast we need to actually take a, a pause ourselves and just work out what it is that we're doing, what's the direction we want to head in. And often that can be really tough for people to work that out on their own. And um, by having some support, having some coaching, it, it can really help people. Um, just just a, a recent example, I have a coachee um, who, unfortunately, we've just ended our engagement um, after you know our, our agreed engagement time, but it was a phenomenal experience, um, not only for them, but for me as well, because we'd learned so much together as part of their journey. And one of the things they said to me was, you know, why, why hadn't they done this many years ago? Like for them, the experience of coaching had really changed their life. And um, it changed my life because 
I, you know, I still question sometimes, am I doing the right thing? Is, is coaching working mm. for the coachee? Um, but with that particular individual, it was phenomenal. Like the, they, they changed their whole approach. One of the things they wanted to overcome was as a leader um, to stop giving direction to people. Um, yeah. you know, they, they felt that they wanted to take a step back, but they're really struggling with that because the team all look up to them. Uh, and so it's become very difficult. So we, we explore different options and, um, and now they're in a much better place. So that, that's been phenomenal. So yeah, coaching, I think is, is going to get stronger. It's yeah. going to mm -hmm. definitely be, you know, uh, for, for me, a really powerful and impactful way to, to help people. Really cool. Really cool. I, I definitely agree with you. Our, our role is changing, but it's still such a necessity in, in the marketplace. That's very good. So, Patty, Patty, what's next, man? What, where do you go from here? What, what are you doing next? And what's, what can we expect out of your world? Oh, wow. Um, so, like I said, I, I think engaging thinking is, is, is the direction I want to head in. Um, I, I'm an agileist by heart, but I think for me to do the things that I really want to do, you know, I need to think beyond just agile teams. I think humanity, yeah. like I know I'm getting quite deep, but <laughs> I, I, I'd love to be able to help, you know, as many people as I can. And mm -hmm. so some of the things that I've been doing, um, I set up a, uh, a meetup uh, with a good friend of mine, Grant Wright, um, called the Visual Jam. And it's, uh, it's again, it, it's focused primarily on engagement, uh, how we engage. So there's a lot of visual thinking in there. There's a lot of uh, gamification, game storming, um, you know, any way in which we can engage with people. Um, we, we've just kicked that off and um, it's, been, it's been a massive success so far. We've only run really? like, well, we've run one and now we've got another one coming up, but the, the response has been phenomenal from people, um, people all around the world. So it's been, it's been a real journey. So that's something I really want to focus on. Um, I, I would love to continue um, building new ideas around how we can engage better with people and eventually hopefully yeah hopefully write a book on this stuff eventually ah, so that, I, I knew there was a book coming somewhere soon ah, i knew there's always a book um <laughs> and that's where i'll be reaching out to you dray because uh you know you've gone, been through that experience um oh, i have yes. to say i'm not a great writer so i'll probably just create a picture book or something with a bunch of links <laughs> to videos i don't know we'll see how it works but it might be good yeah, now you, so, you got something else going too that, that I wanted to be sure we, we touch upon. You've got a podcast of your own. Um, can you tell oh, us about yes, that the, podcast? The Peaky Agilist. So yeah, that, that's been, that's been uh, an experiment that I, again, sort of tried out. And um, again, it's been phenomenal. I've had some amazing guests so far. Um, and it's, it's really, I think one of the reasons why I love it so much is, and, and hopefully for yourself as well, is I learn a lot. I learn a lot yeah. from the guest myself. So if I'm learning a lot, I'm thinking actually that's a valuable session for other people to listen to. So yeah, that, that's something that I've been, I've been doing. Yeah, man, I have watched your show, Patty, and it, it is really cool, man. And your first guest was pretty phenomenal. It's, it's not a guest that most people would be able to land for their first podcast. Uh, if I remember your first guest was uh, David Marquette. And, you know, he's uh, the author of Turn the Ship Around, and he's quoted so many times by Agilist. Uh, I quoted myself in, in my training uh, about the way that he was able to work with his, his um, uh, personnel on the ship and giving that autonomy to people to work. 
how did you end up landing David Marquette for your first Agile podcast? How'd that happen? Oh, well, D-Ray, I, I just think, again, it's, it, I, I don't know. I don't know how it all happened. It was like a blur, but <laughs> it, it was one evening when he visited the UK and he was doing a talk on his new book, Leadership is Language. And I traveled all the way from Birmingham to, to London, which in the US isn't a great distance, but for us, it's like, it's, it's a huge amount. Uh, it's about one and a half hours. And I went especially to watch the talk. Um, and afterwards, David, and it's David Marquet. Um, I'm, I, I learned that from David because uh, he said, he actually told me, he said, you know, you Brits, you, you, you just can't get my name right. And so I'm, I'm glad to see it's not just us Brits, even a fellow American uh, gets it. Gets it it's Marquet, uh, so, not Marquette, right? Yes, there we go. Um, gotcha. but, but no, I mean, David Marquet was phenomenal. And um, I, I was hanging around afterwards and he was doing a book signing and it came to my turn and, and I didn't have his book. I hadn't bought the book by then, uh, but I had an idea for a podcast for a while. And I thought, shall I be brave and engage with him on that? And so I did. And I, I just said, I said, David, I don't have your book, but would you be a guest on my podcast? And he was like, yeah, hey, you know, contact me and, uh, and we'll take it from there. Now that's when panic set in, right? Because I'd never done a podcast before. <laughs> It was an idea I had, and and so I I quickly went back home, started researching like which mic to get. I, I sort of you know I've got my mic now, um, got all the so, gear set up, and I was. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Let, let, let me get this straight. So you had a top A-list guest for a show that did not exist, that you did not have equipment for, <laughs> and he's ready. He's ready to be a guest. Absolutely. And I was so nervous. So if anyone ever listens back to that podcast, you'll notice. I hardly say anything in the podcast and, and because, you know, I just wanted David to just talk because he's got so many phenomenal stories. And it, it was a, it was a real lesson for me about, you know, how, like how to do podcasting. I had no idea. So um, I was a bit rusty then, but yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful to him for uh, giving me that opportunity. Wow. But it worked out phenomenally. I mean, the, the interaction between the two of you was, was great and we'll, we'll leave a link to it here. Uh, within this this podcast, so people can check it out. I think it was a, a really engaging interview. Man. That's just oh, cool. Uh, it, it's a, a really um, telling story of of how you took that bravery in that moment and just just ask the question. I mean, some people don't take the opportunity when they're right there. So I, I really do a, applaud you for for taking that chance and and just seeing what would happen. I mean, he's a regular guy like one of us. I mean, what's he going to do? Just tell you no, no, I won't meet with you. You never know. They're, no, they're probably yeah. good people. No, absolutely. And um, and actually, in my mind, when I was thinking about it, I was talking about the kind of engaging thinking. And, and we talked about a potential book in the future. So an idea I had for a potential name for the book might be around sort of be brave and engage. Right? Yeah. So just be brave and engage. Like that, that, that moment really summed up everything for me. It was about if, if I hadn't engaged in that way, it would never have happened. So... I just think you're right. You know, sometimes we just got to just put all of these, these um, preconceptions behind us. And again, the drawing, the creativity, you know, don't worry about someone saying it doesn't look good. So I, I would say, you know, put, put all of those, um, th those doubts to one side and just be brave and just go for it. And, um, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Someone's going to say, well, maybe you should have done it this way. And that's great learning, right? So then we go, okay, next time. It is. 
man. So we got a, a book coming up. I, I heard a nice title in there. Sounds like you should be getting some uh, pen to paper going pretty soon. That's that's good. Um, Party, thanks for for sharing that story. Let's get to a few tools or tips and recommendations. What are Patty's tips for for people these days? What what can you give us some uh, advisory on? Oh gosh, that's a tough one. I didn't rehearse for this. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. So, like, there's a there's a really cool icebreaker I like to use, um, especially for anyone that's either in a in a, in a kind of a team environment or at a conference. Um, it's called Cowboy Ninja Bear, um, and and you can Google it. It's it's a website, and it's a human form of rock paper scissors. And I think it's a, it's one of my favorite icebreakers, but I would say for me, that's, that's a, an awesome icebreaker and energizer that I often use. Other, other advice beyond that, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not really much of an advice person. I just think, you know, if, if people really want to connect with one another, um, there are just so many ways we can do it. We can use our culture, we can use elements of our background. Uh, one, one tip that I got from my previous manager was, you know, don't be afraid to talk about your culture. Um, mm. Let people mm -hmm. remember you by your something unique about you. And for many years, I suppressed my Indianness or my Punjabiness. And I remember my, my old boss, Gabby, um, Gabby Patrick, who's, who's an American as well. Um, she saw me presenting at a, at a training session. And afterwards, she gave me some pretty damning feedback. And, um, mm. and, and, and I, I sort of, you know, when I, when I, when I got down to it, like, why? She said, you know, you tell me all these great things about your culture, but she said, none of that came out in that talk. So ever since then, I always try and leave people with something about me as a person. Um, it could be my kids, it could be anything. So I think if, if we're mm -hmm. at a talk, we're presenting, use the opportunity to tell a personal story about yourself. I like that idea, man. And that's something I, I try to, to use. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more into that as well, because sometimes, in, in environments, our culture isn't welcome. And there's a, a lot of times people who are minorities, you know, such as myself or, or yourself, that we, we do feel like we have to suppress our, our culture to fit in with the society that, that we either work in or where our peers are. Yeah. Um, I've dealt with that by myself, and I know a lot of other Black people deal with that, of how do we integrate in with this, this uh, corporate society that historically hasn't accepted us into corporate society. Um, have, how have you dealt with that? Um, and have, have you had to deal with that in, in corporate America, um, being a, a minority working in uh, an industry that is mainly white male dominated. Um, how have you been able to bypass some of those racial barriers and to place yourself in such a, a position? So no, D-Ray, that's a, that's a really deep question. And um, I, I, I've definitely got examples of where, you know, in the past I've, I've had to really think about, um, you know, that element of it. So for example, I remember I was running a team of BAs at an organization and I just felt comfortable talking in, in my native language, Punjabi, mm. uh, because most of my team were Punjabi for, for whatever reason. And I remember one of my colleagues turned around and they said, look, you know, I find it quite offensive that you're using a different language. I'd like you to speak in English. And that was a real kind of wake up moment for me because I'd never really thought of that because at home I speak 
Punjabi often with my parents. And it's not like I was speaking about anyone else, you know, about them in a negative way. So at, at that moment, I, I think it really hit home. And I, and I did, I, I, I stood up back to the person and I said, look, I said, you know, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, and if you do have a problem, like, let, let's catch up later. Like, maybe I can teach you a few words. Right. So that was my way of kind of adding a bit of humor, but still getting the point across. And I, I think, but that's a very small example. I know yeah. people out there must face some really difficult situations. I thank God haven't been in that situation. Um, but I would say, you know, there's, there's currently, we're all trying to get a step ahead or, or in some way, feel noticed within an organization. Mm -hmm. And I think having a different background is a, that's a superpower, right? Use it as a superpower. That's something that you can bring to the table that probably no one else in that room has. So absolutely use and abuse it in a way that it's going to be taken as a positive. So um, that would be my, my suggestion there. Yeah. Most definitely. Party, thanks for sharing that, that um, personal example that I appreciate that. Um, so we have talked about so much, and I know we got to wrap things up. We have talked about Pardeep. We went, went deep into your background, Patty. We talked about how you dealt with COVID in the UK. Uh, we dove deep into how we met. We talked about Agile for Kids and Jungle Scrum, the way you're using it at home. Um, we dove into engaging thinker and engaging thinking, the entire concept of it. Uh, we talked about the future of Agile and what's next for Patty. What's coming up in your world, such as the things in your podcast, the Peaky Agilist, which we want to have people to go and check out. Um, and we've got some great tools and, and tips from you, uh, not only in the business world, but on a personal level. So thank you so much for being here on Thriving Culture. Um, we will be um, talking again. So thank you for joining us. Uh, if you do like what you've seen here, please click like and subscribe and join us on this movement. Again, thank you so much, Patty. Have a it's great a, day, man. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much, uh, D-Ray. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you again. So thank you, and thank you to all your listeners.